Alright. Hello everyone, welcome to Aya Podcast. This is your host Sophie. And your other host, Davina. We are just two Asian American girls talking about whatever we want. And this is our introduction video. So hello everyone. Welcome. So a little bit of background about each of us. I have, my ethnicity is um, Vietnamese American. My parents actually came from, my parents were actually refugees from the Vietnam War. And they came here to the States um, starting, starting anew, coming fresh, literally fresh off the boat, almost. <laughs> not entirely accurate, not entirely wrong either. Um, Sophie, what about you? I was, I don't know if you know the term ABC, American Born Chinese. It's been a whole phrase growing up because of um, MC Jin. So grew up American Born Chinese, of course. Um, and I actually don't know. I think you have more background about your family than <laughs> I do. Because I know my great-grandparents bought us here um, to escape from China. Um, and just, they pretty much picked up their life and moved almost majority of my family out out to New York City. My family, they came, you know, in two different paths. You know, my mom came here with her whole family because my grandfather at the time, you know, he was able to get his entire family out from Vietnam. And that's a big family because my mom is a child of like 10 kids. She's like one oh, of the middle wow. children of like 10 kids. And they, uh, my grandpa was able to bring all of them over including a few other families as well, I believe, um, because they were actually fairly wealthy when they were living in Vietnam. But when the when the war hit, he used all his money to be able to get a passage way to America. Uh, my dad, on the other hand, his, his story is actually really interesting. It's very different. He, um, you know, he actually lived on the streets for a very long time. Um, and we could definitely go into more of our family's history and backstories in a uh, different podcast. But just a little bit of background about him is that, you know, he um, he was kicked out of his house and lived on the streets for a very long time. And when it came time, you know, when the war was closing to an end, uh, he actually got uh, shuffled onto a boat because he was trying to find his uh, he was trying, actually trying to find family, thinking that, you know, due to the ending of the war, uh, that his family might have got pushed over to the coastline. Uh, but that's not what happened. <laughs> so, but he ended up on the boat instead and he actually ended up here, uh, in the States that way. Uh, and he ended up going into the foster system while living here. So, you know, he was very fortunate because he ended up in a very loving home and everything, uh, was able to grow up with, uh, three other brothers, uh, as well. Oh. And yeah, and his story was, you know, really interesting and we could definitely go more into it, uh, later on, but that's kind of a little bit of backstory of kind of where our families came from and then coming around to what kind of uh, the disappointments they have created. Nah, I'm kidding, but <laughs> I think you might have more so than I do. I, I feel like with my family, of course, um, we took the traditional route. Of course, we joke about, um, fresh off the boat and stuff like that. It might have happened that way, but for my family, we came to came we went in waves. Like it was like first my great grandparents, um, they brought us all over here. And then um I'm pretty sure my mom was a part of um of course uh the boat too. And then as times go by, 
uh, additional, like the extended family started coming over and it was by plane. Mm-hmm. And it, that's why it's like when people is like, oh, you're a fop. But in reality, you're a fop. Yeah. Like a P. <laughs> yeah, a P. They came over by the plane, mm-hmm. not the boat. Exactly. I mean, um, that's kind of the similar with um with what happened to my family members and such because technically they escaped by boat from Vietnam, but how they got here to the states was by plane. So, I mean, I guess we're both. <laughs> yeah. So, um but yeah, I think that it's, you know, interesting to see kind of where they came from and um this mindset of, you know, America was, is, is, was, is, some people still believe it is, um, a land of opportunity. And this was a place that they wanted to start their lives over. And I think, you know, you know, I know for, for my side of the family, like it was definitely, um, kind of like a right, like, uh, what's it called? Um, that it was a second chance for them for sure. Especially, you know, especially with my dad who didn't think that he would live past 21. So, you know, for him to come here, he's actually celebrating, um, I, he's going to be like 60 this year. So it's amazing to see like, uh, where he's come from and everything. Um, but speak, so speaking of moving on, since we talked a little bit about our family, let's talk a little bit about ourselves and, you know, how our culture and family history has affected us and where we are today. Okay, so a little bit about me. I actually grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Of course, New York being the base where everyone kind of immigrated to. Um, so there's that. I am also, I came from divorced parents. I was raised by my grandparents growing up. So a little, a little out of tradition because you don't really see much of, um, cause I'm third generation. You don't really see much of um asian parents going through divorce at least not in my family i think um with my parents they were the actually the first pair that ended up getting divorced so there's that um and of course i um also another kind of breakaway is that um in the chinese culture family like to stick together a lot but I was the first one um, that my mom moved out of New York. Mm-hmm. So I live in Texas now, which is away from my family, like a thousand miles away from my family. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of odd um, not to be surrounded by family when that's what you grew up with. Mm-hmm. So created my own little hub here. Um, and of course, with that being said, growing up, I was also very close to my family, um, to my aunts and uncles and my cousins and stuff like that, to where, um, when I tell my friends like, oh, I'm hanging out with my cousins and they look at me, they're just like, you're what? Cause it's mm-hmm. not, you don't hang out with your cousins or your aunts and uncles, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so very big family. I grew up in a very big family, like you you know how you just call everyone aunt and uncle because it's hard to be like oh that's your second uncle or something like that or in american yeah well well it's like in american culture they're like oh that's your like second cousin disowned or something like that like what what how do you come up with that first off (laughs) so there's that um but it's for our history and culture, it's like I remember growing up in New York. I felt like we were taught that we should look the other way when something is going on because we didn't want to be involved in trouble or conflict. So we were always taught to like, oh, 
um, someone's being racist towards an Asian person on the train or something. And as a kid, you're just like, well, I don't want to be a part of that. Or my grandpa would be like, um, don't be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Or like even when I go home now um, and I have my cell phone now on the bus, my grandpa would be like, oh, put that away. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like ingrained in me. Like that's how I grew up. And it's not my grandpa being racist. It's my grandpa being like he doesn't want to get jumped. Mm-hmm. So it's like that's kind of the mentality that I grew up with. And it's like looking back at it now, it's kind of like, why was that ingrained in me? And it's not because my grandpa was worried about being racist, uh, people being racist towards him, but he was afraid of the crime rates. Mm-hmm. So, do you think that's like but... more, do you think that's more um, revolving more because you live in New York versus being an Asian person living in the States? Or do you think that it kind of, it's, it's a little bit of both, especially at the time, because if, you know, your grandpa came during a time where there might've been uh, a lot of civil unrest or anything like that. Do you think that came, do you think his concerns came more because of the city you, uh, that you lived in at the time? Because I know New York has a fairly high crime rate compared to other places in the, in the U S. Um, I feel like it's a little bit of both, you know, mm-hmm. cause I mean, I've had it to where I've watched, one of my uncles get jumped in front of in front of and their house is right next door to us get jumped in the middle of the night Mm. so that was us growing up and like my grandpa trying to call the police because there was asians growing up it's like asians we weren't feared we were like we looked at like oh they're like the model minority or something like that like that's what we kind of grew up with that's the title that we were given. That's the title. It's like, oh, it's the same thing like Asian. Like, uh, Asians are good in math. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you damn well. No, we're not. <laughs> At least I'm not. Not so, all of us. Not but then all sometimes of us. that makes me wonder. That makes me wonder what is the uh, scale that they're working off of to say that we're good in math. Like, if we could do basic timetables and know how to add. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, they're really good at math. It's like, no, this is basic retail knowledge that you should know as a normal human being. I don't know. Like, like to yeah. function in society, you should be able to at least do basic math. And then all of a sudden, if everyone's like, I don't know it, it's like, I mean. Well, one plus one is still two. Exa- yeah, exactly. Um, So, okay. So we got a little bit of a glimpse into uh Sophie's life here. So I think it's kind of really cool, especially since uh, I believe New York is actually one of the uh, few major cities that has a actually a fairly good, uh, fairly big population um, for uh, Chinese Americans, Asian Americans. Uh, oh yeah, that come together. There's a lot of them. <laughs> so there's a reason why we have multiple Chinatowns across New York. I think it's so cool because I, I mean, I've only visited New York once and like the fact that we got a chance to walk through uh, the Chinatown area, I thought was like the coolest experience, even though like I've actually been to Asia and walked around the streets and everything, but I think it's kind of fun. And it's really cool to see like pockets of communities and of culture in large cities like that. Um, I And I might be, and of course I might not know, you know, about the behind the scenes or anything like that but i think it's just kind of a really cool way to kind of have you know um a little bit of the a little bit of the culture in the midst of new york kind of thing 
And I mean, and they have also like little Italy and stuff like that as well. So I think it's, you know, overall, I think it's just a really cool concept. Well, it, but I know like the reason why is because, uh, you know, because Asian people flock together and built a community because, you know, when you find likeness with one another, you built a community and you stick together. Well, it's funny that you say that because I don't know when you visited New York, but if you actually visit Little, Little Italy and Chinatown now in Manhattan, it's definitely a lot different from what I grew up with. So a lot of stores have closed. A lot of mm. stores just because rent is crazy out there. Oh, yeah, um, I could believe Especially that. in that area. Um, I could totally believe that because the, um, my family actually stems from California. So I was born in Cali. Um, and that's kind of, that's where my parents end up meeting each other is in California. My, my mom's side of the family, um, when they came to the States, they got relocated to California. So that's kind of like the, uh, beginning point of where my family came from. Um, but when I was maybe two, three years old, my dad was given an offer at his job to move to Texas. And so we were one of the uh, we were one of the first few cousins to move like out of state specifically we had. Um, so that's why we were like deemed as like the Texas cousins because we moved away. So when we moved, one other family moved with us and like, that was it. Everybody else was still in California. So it was definitely a different way of living because where, where we moved was definitely one of those, um, it's like a white majority uh, communities. It was definitely a white majority city. So this is the early, early stage of this of this small town uh, about to get the Asian invasion because <laughs> I don't mean to like sound like in a bad way or anything like that. But because like we came at a really early stage, I was like one of the only Asian people at school, like one of maybe five out of like the entire middle school kind of deal one of them being my sister kind of thing and the other one being like my next door neighbor because that's how like that's the how small the um Asian population was at the time or in that location at my own in my old whole town um and kind of seeing how all of that changed over time so growing up like I didn't get a chance to really surprisingly didn't get involved in a lot of I, I want to use the word stereotypical Asian thing to get into so like I didn't really care for anime growing up for example because I wasn't really surrounded with people who um who watched or listened to that type of stuff I did get into k-pop though but again once again I was not surrounded by people who appreciated it at the time so I couldn't really dive into or delve delve into um more into like the Asian um uh, culture in that way uh one thing that we did do a little bit of growing up though we did there was a community of vietnamese uh, a vietnamese community in texas that they that we tried to stay involved with um so we would do cultural dances and traditional um festivals and such like that which i think like as a kid it was a lot of fun and then like slowly growing up just not fully understanding why it was important and we had parents and family members who just, it was difficult for them to explain why it's important. And I think this is the, and I think this is a little bit sad just because, you know, for my family and for a lot of other um, Vietnamese Americans, you know, we have that where we were, that they fleed from Vietnam. And then when they came here and when they want to go back or they want to go and practice some of the, uh, 
previous practices that they did back in Vietnam, it's a little bit harder to either explain the importance of it or try to do it the same way. And, and the reason why I say that too is because there was a, um, like I'll, I'll give you a recent example. So recently my cousin actually, she got married a few years back and she, she was marrying to a, a Vietnamese guy. So the families were like, Oh, let's try to do Vietnamese and traditional, uh, ceremonies and practices and like whatever to do like you know in the in the way that they would you know if you had a vietnamese engagement and they wanted to do it here in the states and it's like okay cool you know not against it but what are we supposed to do and literally none of the older generation could explain what exactly we needed to do and what the importance was, they just knew that we needed it to do it. So it was things like the groom side of the family brought certain gifts wrapped in red because red is a symbol of luck and good fortune. And, uh, and they would come line up and all the groom and the groomsmen would come up with the gifts. And I think the gifts are supposed to be handed off to the bridesmaids to show like the family, like give thing over. I don't know. There was like this interesting practice behind it. And every time we kept turning around asking people, I felt bad because even the groomsmen were looking straight at us and we were looking at the groomsmen and we're just like, what are we supposed to do guys? And this was just only the engagement party. So like, there's a whole nother set of other things that we're supposed to do that we don't know about. And I think it's just that mix between it's a lost in translation and lost in cultural practices over time. And you know, maybe, maybe it's because we need to go back to see exactly what it's about. I don't know. Um, but I think it's just really interesting that over time, it's one of those, I think the older generation, uh, really wants us to embrace our culture, but then they also don't know how to explain why it is important or what the significance is due to a mix between due to miscommunication, language barriers, but also just them themselves not realizing what is the importance of doing it. Because for them, they've grown up. It's kind of like growing up celebrating Christmas every year and then you have kids of your own and then you have to figure out and try to explain how, what Christmas is about to them, you know? Yeah. And I feel yeah. like that's kind of the, like, that's kind of the struggle that we had in our family because it's that whole mix of like, oh, we've always done it. Okay, but what is it that we've always done? You know, so yeah. I think we're getting a little no. sidetracked and we're kind of going into our, no, our families I, a little bit much. Let's go ahead and um, kind of dive in a little bit more about ourselves, ourselves. Maybe talk about like our schooling, our upbringing, um, and like what we ended up doing and whether or not you know. Okay, so you so you know a little bit that I came from. I was born in Cali and then I moved to Texas. So growing up, we were definitely away from that. Um, what was it called? We were definitely, you know, away from like the Asian community or like didn't have like a strong, uh, like a big Asian community uh, influence around us. Uh, however, you know, growing up, there is still uh, always that pressure of making sure that we, you know, we succeed in life and hit those uh, grades, get the right, uh, get high grades and everything, which was funny because I ended up struggling through school. <laughs> I would not make any Asian parent proud with how bad I struggled in school. And I think it actually turned out that I had like undiagnosed uh, ADD or ADHD uh, while in school. But my parents just kind of chalked it up with, I just don't pay attention, which is, I mean, technically true and part of what ADHD is. But, <laughs> but they, um, 
what was it? But growing up, I just had like the biggest struggle with like reading comprehension, like the biggest struggle with understanding certain sciences and stuff like that. And I would struggle like within like within high school, I was struggling barely to get right over that B curve, you know. But yeah, no, I was just not doing so well in in grade school and stuff. But beyond that, you know, I was able to get into college and, you know, you would you would expect that you would do something practical when you get into college. You would do something towards uh, a stable job because that's something that, you know, a lot of uh, Asians will Asian families will tend to push their kids to do uh, more practical jobs because they want their kids to be. Uh, more stable. Also, it's a mix between like, also it's like bragging points for them to share and showcase off their kids. But overall, I think it's definitely making sure that their kids are better off because they know the struggles and they know what, uh, what it's like, um, growing up or not growing up, but like working in this economy. So they also want to make sure their kids are working in positions such as becoming a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer. Um, and all that stuff. And majority of my family actually, so majority of like my cousins, for example, some of my aunts and uncles, uh, work in the medical field. So some of, some of them, it took a while for them to get into the medical fields and other, others of them went through school for it. So, I mean, like, for example, let me give you a, a small list of some of the professions that my cousins and, uh, relative, like my aunts and uncles have. Of course, we have several nurses. Uh, we have some that are in pharmacy. Uh, I have actually one cousin right now. She's finishing up pharmacy school right now, for example. Uh, We have one surgeon in the family, an anesthesiologist, and uh, several medical technicians, right? So, you know, so we have a good amount of people uh, in our family that is involved in the medical field. Uh, Granted, we have our one-offs and stuff. I think we have uh, an aerospace engineer for one. uh, And then, of course, an accountant on the other end as well. Uh, I would say that... that me along with the younger cousins after me it's kind of was like that weird split that we didn't take the normal medical route or the engineering route even though we were encouraged to do so it was just something that just we just didn't either we didn't want to do or we just didn't have the mental fortitude to handle I don't know I don't know how to explain it I just know that I sucked in science I tried going through nursing school that did not work out for me (laughs) but for me I actually ended up in hospitality Uh, so actually my undergraduate I I received my undergraduate in child development because originally I wanted to work with kids and I still do want to work with kids in a way but uh, originally I wanted to work with kids through the hospital but not as a nurse so becoming a child development specialist was ideal at the time uh, until I started working and then I realized that one I don't have the mental fortitude to stay strong if a child was to pass away under my care, or at least if I was like in the same hospital working with that child and uh, they pass. Uh, that one I learned pretty pretty early on, and I realized that that's just something I could not handle. And that's when I realized that it was a good thing that I didn't go in to be a nurse because even though I understand that life and death is part of you know the circle of life, it doesn't it still doesn't help to, um, and I, and I, and it's hard. I, I, you know, it's hard when you think about losing somebody, whether they be a young child or whether they are elderly, it doesn't matter who you lose. It just, it just hits really hard. And I, and I know for sure that's definitely one of the major reasons why I couldn't go into the medical field at all. Um, but I ended up getting my, undergrad 
with child development. So I love working with kids and I love understanding, um, like the mindset of like families and the mindsets of children. But I continued onwards actually. And I think part of me wondered why I went for my master's, but the other part of me is a little glad just because I have a little bit of bragging rights, but the other half of me is like, but why did I do it? Anyways, I did get my master's degrees in hospitality management. So I actually kind of switched the majors a little bit uh, because I went into hospitality. So I kind of went into hospital, just not the same as my parents were thinking. Um, <laughs> but hospitality was actually another just a cool way to interact because I think for me, my love for the family dynamic kind of grew from there. And I realized, OK, what is a- another way to create memories and to serve and create experiences for families. And that kind of led me into the hospitality industry, which was really cool. I definitely felt like I was way behind compared to level of understanding because when you go in for your master's, you're not, you're, you know, you're not going to be taught basic stuff. So I didn't, I didn't know some of like the basic um, verbiage or words for hospitality, like within the hospitality industry at the time, because all the master program is, is mainly research. So I was researching like trends and I was researching, understanding sustainability and hospitality and tourism, which was cool. But then if you were to ask me what plates I'm supposed to put out for (laughs) uh, certain meals or what positions is the front of the house, heart of the house, like all that stuff. I was like, it took me a while to catch up because I was like, I have no idea any of that. Cause I knew it was, I had importance. It's just, I did not learn it because I did not do it for my undergrad. Um, but my master's came out really cool because um, my thesis that I ended up writing about was about uh, family vacation and how it impacts the family dynamic. So I did use my undergrad to work on my master's <laughs> thesis. So I thought it was kind of cool. Um, but overall, that's kind of where we're at right now. And of course, due to the pandemic, uh, the hospitality industry is not doing so well. Uh, but, you know, during this time, I was able to reflect during quarantine and reflect during my unemployment to look and try out other new things. And I mean, it kind of works. You know, I, we're trying out this new podcast. I started out my own Etsy shop. I started twi- doing Twitch a little bit, you know. Um, yeah, and just kind of testing out some new fields that I didn't think that was a plausible, um, outlet because growing up, you know, you were always taught like, oh yeah, sure. Drawing is fun, but it's not really, uh, it's not really job worthy or, oh yeah, sure. Making videos is, is fun, but it's not really job worthy, you know? Cause I really wish that I kind of had that, that I really wish that I we didn't have that growing up in the sense of I, I wish that we didn't have parents who were so ingrained in the stability side. And it's understandable why, but I wish that they weren't so hyper-focused on making sure that we got into uh, nursing or we got into uh, medical school because yeah. I think that, yeah, Great. because I think that there were other options and outlets for me. I mean, obviously it's not too late to start, I just feel weird for starting so late (laughs) and I really shouldn't, but you know, I think, you know, every, everybody has a different starting point. Everybody's chapter one begins somewhere. So I think this is like in a way kind of a sign to try new things. 
Um, but just because I wish that they didn't push us in a certain direction growing up, it also made who I am today. So, you know, as much as we want things to change from the past, I think we also need to look back and look at it as a lesson and learn from there and move forward in life. So, but anyways, that's a little bit about me and my backstory. Uh, what about you, Sophie? No, and I agree with what you say. It's just like, we can't really change on how our parents or grandparents raised us. They grew up, they try to raise us to where they want us to be stable. And it's, it's fair to their point because they struggled like girl um they struggled getting to where they are getting to build a foundation to make sure that their families can grow and they just want the same for us so definitely see where parents like why they want us to become like doctors lawyers and stuff like that because they want what's best for us and a lot of kids nowadays fail to see that um, but growing up now and being in my mid twenties, you're just like, oh, okay, that's why they say that kind of deal. Um, so a bit about me, I actually, I actually came out with a um, fashion merchandising slash business degree. So I went to college for that. Um, I went through college. Surprisingly, I didn't think that I would make it, but. Um, first couple of years of college, I, I was kind of failing because I didn't really care about college. And then it wasn't until my um, mid sophomore to junior year, I finally was just like, all right, let's um, get this going because I never really focused on my grades. I didn't have uh, my parents didn't really care about grades. Of course, my grandparent growing up, my grandparents would um, reward me like, oh, hey, if you make a B or um, A minus or something, we'll get you a new cell phone or something. So I grew up that way. Like I always made the bare minimum in order for me to get like the sidekick. I don't know if you remember the phone um, that came out with a sidekick, the screen flipped and it was a faux keyboard. So like that was my motivation to get a good grade in school was a new cell phone. And of course, growing up in New York in elementary school, I actually rode the bus by myself to like middle school and stuff like that. So I was uh, lucky enough to where I got a cell phone to call my grandparents when I got to school because I went by myself. No one took me to school like um, a lot of people do in Texas, kind of deal. So that was my motivation. I was never really an A plus student. So that's why <laughs> I'm not your average I'm not your average Asian. I'm like, what is it? Below average Asian? So there's that. I didn't really start um, caring about my grades until, like I said, junior year of college. And that's when I realized like GPA means something. And I started working really hard towards that GPA and um, graduating with, I think I ended up actually graduating with like a 3.9 like right on that cutoff line. Um, so very grateful for that. I am, so I don't know if anyone or if you watch Wang Fu, but I grew up watching Wang Fu on YouTube. Um, and yeah, see, mine was, mine was uh, Ryan Higa. <laughs> well, I watch Ryan Higa too, but um, Wang Fu was probably like the sweet, sappy um, 
sketches that they put out or shorts that they put out. It was very cute. Um, but I think this was probably within the last five years or maybe a little bit more. They put out a short card, Yappy, which is uh, Young Asian Professionals. Um, and I pretty much went that route. I went to um, currently I'm in the corporate world um, and I'm finding myself not really happy. It's like I'm not I'm not upset or anything. I'm lucky enough to where during the pandemic, I still had a job. I was still I still had an income coming in. So I lucked out that way. Um, I still enjoy my job, but something's missing. And part of that reason is uh, back in college, I was really into like you into the event business. I was actually a um, event producer for a New York Fashion Week show. So, and I did a couple of uh, shows, like even in high school, I did theater, but I was on the tech side. So I was stage manager, I was lighting designer and stuff like that. Um, I was always more of a visual person. And that's why I got a fashion merchandising degree because I was more visual on the side of um, planning degree too. So I have that background to where someday if I do end up wanting to break away from the corporate world, I want to start my own business. So kind of deal. So and so it's just like breaking away from that. Like I know growing up my grand my grandma actually wanted me to become a nurse or um she wanted me to actually go into pharmacy. But I can't even stand needles. I can tell you right now, if I go to the doctors, um, if my grandma is there with me, I'll be squeezing her hand when they're drawing my blood because I cannot do needles. Needles and blood, I just instantly, I'm just like, I'm grossed out. And um, so there's that. But it's like, I'm play, I played with a lot of um, majors growing, like trying to figure out what I want to do. Like, I think, I actually thought about a child development degree, too, because I was also working in a daycare. Realized real quick, I don't have the patience for kids. I have the patience for um, running an event, but not for kids. <laughs> so there's that. But um, I figured out my passion for merchandising or visuals when I actually ended up working for Vera Bradley, um, the bag brand. Oh, uh, dang, I didn't know that. Yeah, so, um, but it's not normal. It's like a lot of, like like you said, a lot of parents, uh, a lot of parents, a lot of grandparents, they don't want you doing manual, too much manual labor to get your um, salary or your money or whatnot. Um, but that's what I was used to doing is just like hands-on stuff. So when I got the job with Vera Bradley, I got to merchandise the bag and I like the way I like it when we sold out because it was an outlet. So we sold out stuff pretty quickly and just reworking the walls, stuffing bags and stuff like that. And what ended up happening was they actually sent out a couple of my wall um, designs to corporate and they ended up really liking it. And they sent it. They sent that picture out to the other stores to say, hey, can you guys copy this when you guys sold out? So that kind of fired it all and I enjoy it because it's like when you merchandise something or visually it's appealing to the consumer to purchase 
or when you merchandise something, you can create a story to um, a story in the store with how you merchandise the items. So it's a very so that's actually when I decided to go to school for that. And it was hard to explain to a Chinese grandma that this is my major. Um, Because growing up, it's funny because I don't know if you heard about this, like they can look, um, I don't know what you call them, like palm readers or um, or something like that. Like fortune tellers? For, like Not like fortune tellers, but they use like your palm and your eyes to tell or something like that. Well, I remember growing up, we got stopped. My grandma and I got stopped in the middle of a meat market in Chinatown. And this lady, I think my grandma probably knew her, but I had no idea who she is, which which, which is totally, completely normal because that's how I grew up. Everyone knew how, who I was, like the granddaughter of so-and-so, but I never knew who they were. That's how small, like, the community was. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I got stopped with my grandma, and they were talking, and the woman looks at me, and she's like, um, your granddaughter is going to be very good in numbers. Like, when she grows up, she's going to be really good in numbers. And I remember that, because I was just like, I hate math. And I was like, there's no way in hell I'm going to be good in numbers. Right? And now it's like, I work with a lot of numbers. I work with dollar amounts. I work with inventory amounts. And at that time, my grandma actually thought that I was going to be an accountant, and she got excited because oh an accountant goodness. is pretty much a stable job. Oh, yeah. It's a really stable job. If you work for, like, the top five firm, you're secured, but you have no vacation time. You have no downtime. Yeah, I went the total, totally opposite route, and I went the retail route to where I w I'm working in corporate, and I'm working with a lot of numbers still. So it's like it's a very weird full circle because the lady technically wasn't wrong, just in a different aspect of numbers. No. <laughs> so it's like so technically I wouldn't say I kind of um, went against the grain too much. I'm still in that corporate world where a lot of Asian people, like right out of college, I landed a corporate job. So not there yet but might be there soon because I do want to step away. I plan on stepping away within the next five years and be like every other um, uh, American home. I don't even know. It's like it's there's a lot of possibilities and I want to step out of what's expected of what I should be doing and maybe start my business like you are, you know? So... Mm. I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is just the introduction part of our podcast. Just a little bit about us. Um, tune in next time. We'll be talking a little bit more about, you know, anything and everything that we want to talk about. <laughs> okay. So our next our episode next week is actually going to be growing up in an Asian household. That'll be a fun topic to talk about, just kind of giving a little bit of our experience and uh, talking about our upbringings would be a lot of fun. But Yeah, and I think we would have two completely total. Oh, total yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> okay, that's a wrap for us. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. We hope to see you guys again next week. Well, not see you, because you won't see us. We can't see you, but I hope you can tune in next time on Aya Podcast. Have a great day, guys. See you again soon. Bye.